Ready? Yes. All right. So we got to be like on beat with each other. Okay. One, two, no, let's go. Okay. I'm Lebanese. I'm a wasp. You're too slow. You're too slow. It's got to be fast. <laughs> okay. Does this remind you of when we used to rehearse and I was like super nitpicky? Well, all you did was, okay. All right. <laughs> I'm Lebanese. I'm a wasp. No. Try again. I'm Lebanese. I'm a wasp. Perfect. That's the timing we want. Okay. Well, have you ever seen that movie? What is it? Um, with the drummer guy, he's like seriously harassed by his director. I have not seen Whiplash because oh. I was seriously harassed by. Listen, don't watch it. I'm still traumatized by that film. I You're lived it. Like, I You're not on the beat. You're not on the beat. You're not on the beat. I'm a lot. I'm 4'11. I'm 5'11. We're different in many ways. But we're alike in more ways than you think. We've been best friends for 25 years, spanning provinces and even countries. We're always there for each other. This is the Frenzy Podcast, a story of an unlikely friendship. We'll talk about our friendship through the years, from the 90s to the present day, and sprinkle in some pop culture, politics, feminism, and current events. And maybe a few guests along the way. So pour a glass of your favorite beverage and sit back as we transport you to the very beginning. Before we begin today's topic, which is the Meet Cute, we're going to talk a little bit about ourselves. I'm Tanya. I'm a marketing specialist, writer, and mom of a beautiful two-and-a-half-year-old. I'm also married to a very talented pianist to music you just heard. I'm Julia. I'm a freelance writer and editor. I'm a makeup enthusiast. I live in Halifax, Nova Scotia. And I am currently single. And we're going to talk about our meet cute that happened 25 years ago this September. It was September of 1995. The biggest hit on the radio or your Walkman was Gangster's Paradise. The movie of the year was Clueless and everybody wore butterfly clips and hemp necklaces. It was an age of pure innocence until junior high. We were still really innocent. Yeah, we were. We were, we were, if you look at those pictures of us, we were just like these sweet kids. We look so young in grade seven. When I look at my niece, Sienna, she looks like a teenage, she looks old, like 16. We looked like kids. Totally. Thing that identified us as teenagers. We had that, remember the Maybelline lilac eyeshadow? That was our look. The, it was the only makeup I was allowed to wear, and that's because you wore it. Mm-hmm. And because my parents knew you were a good influence. Your parents thought I was a good influence? Oh, absolutely. Aww. So anytime I asked to do anything, they would say, well, is Tanya going? Or is Tanya doing it? And if you were, then they'd say, okay. Because then they knew that it was, what? What? It's because my parents were strict AF, so if if they were like, sure. Well, they knew you were a good kid. I was a good So kid. they thought that, and I would say, oh, please, Tanya wears this eyeshadow and it looks so nice. And so uh, I think it was called Frosted Lilac. I think so. It was a Maybelline single. I think it cost $3.99. It was beautiful. 
September, a new school for both of us. Yes, a completely new school for me. You knew some people because you were in the feeder school that like fed into the junior high. So you already had some friends and some enemies. (laughs) Let's be honest. You know, here's the thing. People either love me or hate me. I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. Oh, I don't know. I can't imagine anyone hating you. People love you. That's true. (laughs) (laughs) No, I didn't mean it like that. No, it's it's true. You are you are well loved. I am a people pleaser by nature. I'm working on it. I'm working on it. Uh, I don't think it's disingenuous, though. I think people like you for you. To be honest, it's if if I'm nice to you. It's because I, I actually sincerely want the best for you. As soon as you break my trust or I think there's something maybe ethically not in my wheelhouse, I just kind of avoid you, I guess. I don't know. It's, that's, that's, a, that's a protective thing. And that's, like, that's the way that, that you weed out the bad people in life. And that's really smart. Like you're, you're very intuitive. You, you can tell right away. I think you have a really good sense of whether people have good intentions or not, and whether they have your best interests at heart or not. Again, not when it come, when it came to the first time you met me, (laughs) but I, yes, you know, I, I wish I could go back, but I don't. Part of me doesn't. Let's just explain what happened really quickly here. Yeah. I'll tell you my point of view. I don't know if it was the first day, second day. I really can't recall, but I do remember being in the stairwell. I had my violin with me. I was walking up the staircase and you were there. And I think the twins introduced us. Mm -hmm. And you said, are you related to so-and-so hate? And I rolled my eyes at you. I was like, no, I'm not. Because you were the 10th person that day. Because this mythical person with my same last name was so popular, he left an impression on pretty much the teeth. All the teachers kept asking me, uh, the older students were asking me, and it just got to the point where I'm like, no, I'm not related to blah, blah, hate, Jesus. So that was, that was how I read. And then you gave me the classic Julia Big Eyes, which... Let me tell you, that is a heart melter. That is, that stings your core of like, oh, I hurt this girl's feelings. I hurt her feelings. And I felt horrendous about it. That was, that was to me, our first meeting. That is so funny. I do remember that. Um, And I remember just in my defense that that there was a guy who used to go to the school that we went to and had graduated the year before who had the last name Hage that everybody thought you were related to. But my brother, my older brother had a friend with that same name, the same name, but a different spelling. And that's who I thought you might be related to, even though I just thought, because I had so many friends who had older brothers, my brother's age. So I just thought, oh, does she have an older brother, my brother's age too? So it came from a, from an honest place. <laughs> it wasn't like, oh, she's Lebanese. Does she know every other Lebanese person in Halifax? It was not, it was not that kind of thing. My memory of the first time we met was really kind of like the first time I saw you. I guess we didn't meet technically, but it was... When I walked into homeroom the first day, the guidance counselor brought me in because I was a new kid. Everybody was already there. And I, so I was late. So I walked in in front of everybody 
somebody in the front row made a joke about my height and he and his friends laughed. And then I went to sit down. There was an empty seat next to you. And I thought you looked so cool, but like too cool for school kind of way. Just sort of like you looked me up and down like, (laughs) who's this? And I remember you were wearing a really cool outfit and I sat down and the teacher told me I wasn't allowed to sit there. That was somebody else's seat. And so I had to get up and everybody laughed. Everybody laughed. And I had to get up and walk in front of the whole class and go sit in like the back corner where there was a free seat because it was assigned seating by, I guess, alphabetically. And that was that was my first impression of you was, you know, you were like, ugh, who she thinks she is? And I was like, well, oh, who am I? Who do I think I am? I want to be in my old school with my friends. I'm so sorry. I If I go back, I don't know. I don't know if I would change it, but I really had a chip on my shoulder because I was teased a lot. When you're hitting puberty, things change a lot. And you just want to be, you don't even want to be noticed. You just want to like, you want to blend in. You don't want to stand out. You want to fit in so badly. Mm-hmm. Fit in. I was, I was, I didn't look like everybody else, both because I was, uh, I am not what I was. I am a visual minority. I wore a back brace. And we'll, <laughs> we can get into that later. And I was, you know, I was not back then what they thought was attractive. Body wise, things were changing quite a bit for me. I was also really introverted and dorky. I, I, I loved Star Trek from an early age. I had a, I was my neighbor in grade six and seven, Ryan, if you ever listen to this, we used to go to his house and he had all the latest Star Trek gear. And it was like my favorite time because I could just be my pure, nerdy, dorky self. And a big thing that I didn't that made me stand out was because you're the same. We started music at a very young age, started lessons at a really young age. I started at five. I was always really into classical music. I was also really into alternative and grunge music because that was the influence I had from my older siblings. And the popular music at the time, it didn't really resonate with me. And I want, I did like deep down, I wanted to like it. I really did, but I didn't, it didn't, I don't know. And so when TLC came on and everyone was chasing waterfalls, I just wanted to listen to Louis Armstrong or I wanted to listen to Kurt Cobain. And I think when I look back, I think it's because sad music or really expressive emotion. Like I'm a very, I love, I'm not a sad person. I am not, I'm a baseline, a happy-go-lucky kind of girl. And you know that about me, but I love depressing music because it's sad, it's dark and it's deep and it moves me. So I didn't fit in and I had a chip on my shoulder. And I thought if I just endured three years of junior high and got to high school where I knew there would be more people like me that had the same interests as me, I could just, I just, yeah, three years. I went to the guidance counselor the first day of grade seven. I said, hey, I want to go to this high school. It's way outside our district. What can I do to make this happen? Let's talk. And she laughed at me and said, you know, just enjoy being in grade seven for a little while. That's the Tanya you got. I think we were kind of in a similar place because I remember sort of at the end of grade six, there was kind of this cultural shift of like what was becoming popular. And it was a lot of hip hop, but specifically like gangster rap. And it was just something I was not interested in. And then at the same time, like Green Day was coming out Mm -hmm. and Weezer and bands like that. And again, like my older brother 
I sort of like would steal stuff from his record collection and listen to that. And it was always the stuff that was like, even if it was upbeat stuff, it was about people who were unhappy or awkward because that's how I felt. And I remember in like grade six, people were like, why do you like that weird music? But it was considered weird. And that's why like alternative was considered like alternative to the norm to what was cool. I remember we used to, we went to every single dance mm-hmm. all through junior high, not to skip mm-hmm. ahead, but we went to every single dance and they played, I think 90% of the music that they played was stuff we didn't like at all. And then there would be like 10 minutes, a 10 minute stretch of like the offspring. I remember the presidents of the United States of America. Remember that song, Peaches? Mm-hmm. They played that, and that, other people liked that. Julia, that song for the whole summer was in my head. I would just randomly, I would just randomly start singing this summer, randomly. This summer, my brain going to the country, gonna eat a lot of peaches to the point where my husband was like, "Stop, stop, just stop." <laughs> and I would, I would go going to the like. It just, oh, it was bad. It was bad. That's so funny. That's yeah. so funny. That was a really big song for us but that was that was one that I think other some other people like too like some of the cool kids like that too but there was a real divide I think we really identified with who we were was based on what music we listened to because so much of our lives was wrapped up in music like I started singing and taking private lessons when I was 10 11 So a little bit later than you, but before junior high. And so I was already listening to Charlie Parker and Ella Fitzgerald and like I was getting into jazz and stuff. So there was that part too, which was so painfully uncool at the time. Like now it's a little bit more acceptable and later on it would be too, to listen to old music. It was not cool then. No, it was not. Like, it was cool to be on the cutting edge to love what was out and what was the coolest thing. Like, like you said, all you wanted to do was blend in and be like everybody else. So you wanted to be what was cool, but what was cool was just stuff that was just not appealing to me. I Backstreet Boys was everywhere when we were in junior high. Oh, I hated boy bands, boys to men, Backstreet Boys. I couldn't, I, I couldn't understand why people liked it. I was like, this is so, even then, uh, I really felt this was so artificial and only created to make money. I could see it. I would say, the only thing I would say is I would argue a little bit about boys to men because I think that they're actually cool. So <laughs> I, I didn't necessarily mean to fit like boys to men, but Backstreet Boys was a great example of branded consumerism because they were trying to emulate they were trying to capitalize on the eight to 16 year old money grabbing Beatles style hysteria I guess and they did it they did it that was really the beginning of the rise of music for teenagers like before then music wasn't like for teenagers I would disagree because that was, I think, the first time for teenagers would have been Elvis Presley. Oh, okay. And then yeah. it was Beast, uh, the Beatles. And then after the Beatles, it was there was a break, and then we got um, New Kids on the Block. 
I guess that is true. And that's Elliot. Okay. <laughs> Don't look at me like that. I'm sorry. I love this topic. <laughs> yeah, like, it was it was stuff we felt we were too maybe too old for, or we saw through it. Maybe maybe at the time we saw through that. Like we were we didn't want to be pandered to, and we saw that that's what was happening. Maybe I don't know. I just remember thinking, especially with TLC, who's chasing waterfalls? Why is like why? I just felt like it was overproduced, overengineered. Yeah, I mean, it was just it was a song about like AIDS and stuff. But yeah, yeah. did I understand that? Did I understand that in in grade seven? No. Yeah, it was about like um, drug abuse and AIDS. Did you know that in grade seven though? Or did you yeah, it's in the it's in the video. Oh, I was I was obsessed with videos. Did you like TLC? Um, I they're one of those they're one of those groups that like I can see in hindsight that like oh they're pretty good, but at the time I don't think so. No, it's funny because now I really appreciate a, a except for Backstreet Boys. I really I just can't I can't get yeah, that. No. Tupac, Coolio. Wu-Tang Clan, all of it, I really love now. Like, I really actually enjoy the music. And back then, I think I was just, I wanted to, like, I want to go back and talk to my younger self and be like, stop being a snob. Wake up. There's more to your world. Like, just just stop not even wanting to give something a chance because everybody else likes it. Stop being so pretentious because it's great music. It's really great music. We were such snobs. We that, were huge snobs. snobs. And that's what we, and we were the same kind of snob. So I think that's what brought us together. Mm-hmm. And it was that Coolio song, Gangsta's mm-hmm. Paradise, mm-hmm. which is like the biggest rap song of all time, broke uh-huh. tons of records. Yeah. It's like so important to the culture. It's so important to music. Mm-hmm. And at the time we were these two 12 year olds who were just like, this sucks. I know. Guess what? I got it. I have to tell you something. I really like it now. It's a great song. I was reading about it. And first of all, that the chorus is beautiful because it's take, it's taken from a Stevie Wonder song, which I didn't know. It's sampled from a Stevie Wonder song. And Coolio had to get permission from Stevie Wonder to, to do it. And the only way that Stevie Wonder would give Coolio permission is if he took out the bad words. Stevie Wonder wouldn't give him the rights unless he took out all the bad words. So Coolio was like, um, okay, whatever you say, Stevie Wonder. So I, not that I think censorship is cool, but, um, I just think that Coolio was like super respectful and like, yes, I love this music so much. I will do, I will do this song justice. And it was a very big deal. Again, with the music video is a really big deal to get not because it was on the soundtrack for what was that movie? That Michelle Pfeiffer was in. She played a teacher. Oh, Dangerous Minds. That was a great Dangerous movie. Minds. I've never seen it. I'm just assuming <laughs> everything in the 90s is quite inappropriate, sexist, and racist. Because have you gone back and watched some of these things? Even in the early 2000s, the, the uh-huh. written, you're like, oh boy. Oh, boy. Well, it's definitely like a white savior thing, I'm sure. Because it's, it's about a white teacher who yeah. goes into an inner city school mm-hmm. and changes their lives. Now, again, I've never seen it, so I can't say. But Okay, we have to have a watching party and watch some of these movies in the 90s. That's a great idea. Relive it. It was a, so that was like it was it was like a very big deal that song and the whole legend and myth around this whole song is a really big deal for a lot of reasons and we were again two 12-year-olds who were just super dismissive of it. But it was the thing that brought us together. Picture this. 
let's set the stage, if you will. First day of junior high, they had an after-school sock hop. Didn't they call it that, or am I making that up in my in my little mind here? Now, did you say sock hop or sock off? Because I know okay. at the time you thought it was you thought it was a sock off. And what? I remembered that. Is it not a sock off? Like you take your no. socks off? No, no, no. It's a sock hop. Like what let's go to the hop. Let's go to still the don't hop. Understand was that first day of junior high why we had to take our socks off you didn't have to take our socks off what <laughs> i think we might have had to take our shoes off that is true but we didn't have to take our socks off wait, no. wait, wait, wait. are you telling me all this time are you telling me 25 years i thought a sock off socks off dance <laughs> <laughs> yes i'm telling you you are wrong it's adorable that you think it's called a sock off. No, it's a sock hop. Oh god! Like uh, I don't know, like the Lindy Hop. I don't know. I don't know like what the Lindy Hop is. What are you telling me here? What the heck? Telling this right now. A sock. What is this? A <laughs> of like nineteen fifties nuclear like poodle dog dog poodle skirt thingies. No. <laughs> Sock off. You take your socks off. Oh. I'm feeling this. You don't take your socks off. <laughs> <gasps> it's sock hop. Yeah, it's sock hop. <laughs> okay. All right. Let me read you the Google Def or the Wikipedia. It started in the 1940s. I was kind of right. And yeah. what it was an informal sponsored dance event for teenagers featuring popular music. Mm-hmm. So- Pops were held as early as 1944 by the Junior Red Cross to raise funds during World War II. Sock hops became strongly associated with 1950s and the early rock and roll movement. Okay, and then said it came out of fashion in 1960. So why the heck in 1995 we have a sock hop? So you can understand me being 25% hearing loss thought it was sock off. This whole, <laughs> whole- I think That's- I took the socks off. <laughs> <laughs> Like, this is... <laughs> I can't believe this. This is very funny. Oh, wait. The term caught on in England in the late 80s during a British rockabilly revival. Do you remember the rockabilly revival? We were so into that. That's a whole... I sh- well, the rockabilly scene, ha- like, crossed over with the ska scene. So, That's right. of course, yeah, we were in... And the big we band were scene. We were very totally into that. Julia, did you know I was saying it wrong this whole time? I didn't know you were saying sock off until just now. Maybe you should explain the situation, because clearly... <laughs> well... It, yeah, they, I don't know why they, it's true that it is baffling that they called it a sock hop because I guess it was like a throwback kind of thing. I knew it was like a 50s era term with like a Bobby Soxer and stuff. So there's socks again. So maybe that's where you were getting it mixed up. Um, but yeah, it was basically a mandatory attendance after school dance. So we were all. I just remember being in the corner with a book, hating my life. <laughs> That is all I remember. With your socks off, evidently. (laughs) With my socks off. (laughs) Thank you. I'm sorry. I can't get over this. What's a good idea? How about a really shy girl with major social anxiety and extreme introvert at her first dance ever, the first day of junior high, with loud music and lots of people? I think that that is, that's a great, that's a good environment for me to flourish. I also hated the idea. And that's why they, I'm sure that's why they made it mandatory attendance because no one would have gone. 
otherwise. Like, no one would have done that by choice. Remember when Criss Cross came on? Criss Cross is gonna make you jump, jump, jump. I pretended I wasn't into Criss Cross, that piece of music. I love it. I've always loved it. I still play it for Ella. We have jumping around time. I faked it. I love it. You're wearing your pants backwards right now. (laughs) How did you know? Obviously, Criss Cross is a bit earlier, but they did play. I remember they played that at the yeah, Sock Hop. Wow. Sock Hop. It's like that time we went to the cake party. Oh, my God. To the cake party. Why talk- is there beer here at the cake why- party? Party. Where's all the cake? Why, why did... <laughs> I'm so excited to have cake. <laughs> why are all these kegs of beer here at the cake party? <laughs> I even know what a keg was okay until that night I learned what a keg was we were not ever cool <laughs> it's not that funny but it's it's very sweet it's very sweet how's a Lebanese girl raised by immigrants supposed to know what the heck a sock hop is do you think we had that in Lebanon no we had lots of civil war and hummus okay we didn't have sock hops true first of all you never lived in Lebanon <laughs> Okay, no, this is true. But you know what my family was like? They brought Lebanon with them. Okay, you know that. that. You I do know that. Lebanon for you. The life-size statue of Virgin Mary first entered my house. With the rosary beads on it? It's draped on it. Yeah. Yeah. A lot, yeah. Yeah. Um, He's now on our front lawn. I've asked dad to take it out, but he added like... <laughs> So at the sock hop, which again, admittedly, a crazy thing to call the first dance to a bunch of 12 year olds in 1995, um, whose parents wouldn't even be old enough to have gone to a sock hop. But anyway, they played the song Gangsta's Paradise by Coolio featuring LV. That is the man who sings the chorus. And everyone went nuts. Everyone went crazy. It was the biggest song it was the song of the moment and the tall white girl in the corner said Ugh, I hate this song and you the tiny girl with her socks off turns to me your eyes wide and you said you do so do I and that's how we made our connection that is exactly how we made our connection and then after that like for the first time when you're obviously when you're 12 or 13 you're in this weird transition stage where you're starting to lose the friends that you had in elementary school you're beginning to kind of figure out what your interests are and and that's when I realized she's gonna be I knew I was like she's gonna be my new best friend not only did you look at me and say I hate this song when I actually that's when I actually saw you Julia and I I looked at you closely and I saw that you were wearing the green day necklace I knew we were going to be best friends because I was searching for someone who I could connect with on, especially on music, because that was my whole life. You're a teenager. Of course, music is your whole life. Like, so music and books, introverts dream come true, by the way, music to shut people out and books to shut the world out. And I knew that that was the main common thread that was going to keep us together. That's amazing that you had such foresight. Like, I just thought, Oh, wow. This girl thinks I'm cool. Oh, that's so great. Because I had had a day of people like not really being nice to me. And you were really nice to me. And then you took me to your locker and you had a whole poster with Courtney Love 
in your locker. And I was like, oh my God, this girl is so cool. It was important for me to have female role models in music. And mm-hmm. it very challenging, especially in the 90s, to have women in alternative and grunge music and jazz and any, really, any of the forms of music I loved. Yeah, we, there was so much of the music that we listened to, so much of our influences, both musically, because you said music was our life. It wasn't just the music we listened to, because we played music, too. So we were absorbing all this music and from all different sources and so a lot of what our inspiration was both musically and like dial wise was all male so we I remember a lot of the time I would buy clothes or sunglasses or accessories to emulate my favorite musicians and they were all men Definitely. I remember shopping in my dad's closet and wearing oversized jeans and plaid shirts. And and I think that was common in the grunge era. But do you remember when No Doubt became popular and we were so in love with Gwen Stefani because here was this beautifully talented, stylish female ska artist and we clung to that. Remember I cut my bangs like her biggest mistake of my life, but... <laughs> It was, you know, and I think I didn't realize it at the time. I didn't see it as as us clinging to female role models. I just thought it was someone that looked like me doing what I want to do. Mm-hmm. 90s was so male dominated, the music scene. It was insane when I think it, back. Yeah, and it was really, I think an important thing looking back at Gwen Stefani, it was, it was really important that she was both someone who was super feminine. She wore um, like bows in her hair and red lipstick and like retro kind of makeup, which no one else was doing then. But she wore a tank top and like Dickies pants and big heavy boots. She didn't wear like a mini dress and heels. She was like sort of mixing up the sort of like like men's clothes with this retro 50s makeup aesthetic Mm -hmm. and it was everything we were interested in it was like all of the jazz women that we love mixed with all of the ska punk alternative guys that we love Mm -hmm. like they mushed together and so we loved her project kingdom it's great yeah and i think I think we clung to each other. We loved each other. We were snobs together. We encouraged our snobbery. We did. We fed each other's snobbishness. Mm-hmm. Which is fine. I mean, we were 12. It gave us self-importance, I think. I was going to say, I remember in grade seven, we were allowed to pick an outside reading project. And then you had <laughs> an Anne Rice book. I forget which one it was. Do you remember? I do because, okay, let's get it out there. I just read whatever my siblings were reading. That's mm. what I had. So I always read books that may be a little too mature for me. <laughs> it was called The Witching Hour. And looking back, like, I would not want my niece to read that book. I mean, there was, like, freak scenes with ghosts. Like, it was not. Oh, no. That was what I chose because that was what was at home. Yes, I can't believe they let me read that. That's so funny because I think we read... we both read interview with the vampire like not long after that no and there was a lot of weird sex stuff in that too yeah oh 100 i didn't really understand what was happening to be honest with you yeah we were 12 we were very innocent in that way yes very. yes 
Um, but I remember more than the fact that it was an Anne Rice book, which I thought was very cool, very dark and like goth, very cool. But it was like a thousand pages long. It was the biggest book I'd ever seen. <laughs> It's like, she's going to read that? Oh my God. That's the coolest choice I've ever seen. To be fair, what else were we doing? The only good TV was TGIF. We didn't have Netflix or streaming YouTube. There was no internet. There was no internet. There was no internet. So what were you going to do? All we had books. That's an insane amount before I hit 18 because there was nothing else to do and I'm an introvert. So it's not like I wanted to go out and hang out with friends every night. I was too tired. When we hung out, we listened, we would just sit around and listen to music a lot of the time or watch much music or we would go to Blockbuster for an hour and try to pick out a movie. Taking us to Blockbuster and he would give us a time limit. Yeah. And then he would, he would wait in the car and he would give us like 20 minutes and we would have like three movies in our hands and we yes. like, we can't decide, we can't decide. And then he'd come in and he's like, are you guys ready yet? Your dad's a patient man. Oh my gosh. And then he would finally be like, okay, you can get two movies. Just let's go. So we would, we would get two for the sleepover. That was a big deal. And uh, we'd stay up all night and we'd make special coffee drinks because we drank coffee when we were 12. Did. Yes, we um, did. And people would say, it stunts your height. And I would say, you should meet my BFF. I might be stunted. <laughs> <laughs> Granted. But my dad is five feet tall. I have no chance to not have stunted growth. Yeah, it's not like you have two parents who are six feet tall and everybody else in your family is tall and you're magically short. I'm also, I'm like the shortest member of my family. My parents are tall. My brother is tall. Everybody's tall. So it just makes sense. But uh, yeah, no, it did not stop my growth at all. I remember we had Doritos. Yes. Oh, I love Doritos and M&Ms. Peanut butter M&Ms. Peanut butter M&Ms. Still my go-to. If I'm upset or I have to study, which I haven't had to study in a long time, but it's my, it's my treat of choice. And it always brings me happy memories. Absolutely. Peanut, peanut butter M&Ms and coffee will always be like a warm and fuzzy snack to me. Well, Jules, Gangster's Paradise will forever be one of my favorite songs because it brought me to you and it brought me 25 years of beautiful, enduring friendship. So I think we should... Is Coolio still alive? (laughs) I think so. Oh my gosh, I laughed, but I actually... (laughs) We should tweet and thank him for that piece. Are you Googling him? I am, yeah. He is 57 years old. And he's not like a like a sexual predator, is he? Not to my knowledge, no. Right, so let's reach out and be like, Coolio, what is it? He and LV performed Gangsta's Paradise on the Howard Stern Show last year. Oh, wow. Coolio has a Twitter handle. It's at Coolio. We should, I'm going to, okay, let's dedicate this episode to Coolio. Coolio, this is for you. So that's it for today. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you want to send us an email to tell us about your friendships or the songs that brought you together, you can email us at frenzypodcast at gmail.com. And you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram, both at frenzypodcast. See you next time.